podcast about all things wine, beer, and spirits. Join us each week as we drink and delve into different alcohol-related topics. I'm Mark. I'm Olivia. And I'm Alyssa. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> all right, and drink. Ooh, absent. <laughs> That's very good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That is actually delicious. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't sound so surprised, should I? Um, We're really proud I, of it. You should be. I've had abstinence before. Anyway, that was really good. Anyway, hello. So uh, we should talk about where we are uh, here in Ann Arbor at Ann Arbor Distillery. Uh, and so if you want to tell us a little bit about it and what it is and who you guys are. Sure. Um, so we're Ann Arbor Distilling Company. Uh, we've been around for almost four years now. Um, our anniversary is in December, December 5th specifically, the repeal date uh, for Prohibition. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that was very specific. <laughs> so yeah, we're a pretty small space here in Ann Arbor, tucked away in the Water Hill neighborhood. Um, we also act as a production space. So everything uh, that we're selling here in the tasting room, um, we're also making it right on site, uh, right in the, the doorway of the tasting room. <laughs> nice. um, so we make a whole lot of different spirits. Uh, whiskey, vodka, gins. We have a full seasonal line of gins, um, as well as a couple other spirits we'll talk about today. Yeah, we are a facility known as um, a grain-to-glass distillery. What that essentially means is we take grain, and in our case, we take that grain from a single farm in Dexter, and we turn that into what we sell. Um, Got it. So it's kind of like the farm to table, only it's the grain to glass. Yeah, right. we don't have a farm. <laughs> well, you we partner with a farm, but yeah. yes. And it's just that one farm, too, you were exactly, saying, too. Exactly, yeah. Yep. yeah. So it's all coming from there, and, and you're making, so you're making all those, all the liqueurs we just kind of listed off kind of come from there. Is that? Well, the base spirit okay. would come from there. The grain, yes. if we're using a grain base, that would come from the farm. Any corn, wheat, rye, and barley. The, any fruit base uh, had come from a local winery when they were using like the, the cast off fruit. Got it. Yep. Okay. Awesome. And you guys are, and, and you're going to hopefully define this for me a little bit here, what is known as a boutique distillery. So I've heard that a lot. It sounds like really cool and fun and neat, but <laughs> <laughs> what does it actually kind of mean? Um, so I wouldn't say typically we, we, we are a boutique distillery. I guess we don't always use that in our vocabulary. Uh, I would say we're more of a local distillery. Um, and my idea of the difference between that and something that's not necessarily a local or a boutique distillery would be that we're not mass producing on a level that's, you know, countrywide. <laughs> um, that's the hope eventually. Um, we'd love to get outside of the state of Michigan. Right now we're in Michigan only, but we still are kind of more locally focused and based. Um, yeah, and so. we're, we're a very small crew. It's um, a two-person production, me and my assistant Ian. So we, we don't really have the capacity to be a very like large non-boutique distillery, yeah. <laughs> not that we would like to be, um, because I don't think even as we grow, I don't think that we would ever want to be not considered craft. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense, right? You want to you want to keep that, I don't know that that an originality, that hands-on, that right. that right to stay artisan. Yes. Artisan, yes, 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 with it, and but then grow, obviously, too, right? Right, right. Yeah. So you know how how does a local distillery um, expand? You know, outside of their 
local state, local city, while making sure they, they keep the same, same standards that they started with. Um, so that's something that we focus on, is that we'll always want to be primarily Michigan-focused with the grains that we use and ingredients that we use. Um, but we would, you know, love to eventually be in California and New York State and other states around the country, just as we naturally progress and people get to try our spirits more and more. <clears throat> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So let's learn a little bit more about you guys. Uh, first time we have anybody on, we always ask, uh, what is your history slash relationship, kind of however you want to define it with alcohol. So uh, Olivia, why don't we start with you? Sure. Um, so actually, my family had a bar a long time ago. Um, so I grew up going to a bar <laughs> nice. every Sunday morning. I had to help clean it. Um, oh, well, that's not as much fun. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, the bar was um, at one point we had the oldest um, liquor license in the state of Michigan. So that's kind of wow. cool. Wow. Yeah. So growing up, you know, alcohol was kind of always around me. And I have always been really interested in beer. And then kind of this opportunity with the distillery came about and I've been so lucky to learn so much more about distilling and how different it is from brewing or making wine. And I've just found kind of a whole new love for that side of some drinks and alcohol and things like that. So nice. Yeah. Nice. <clears throat> and, and how, if you don't mind me asking, how did you kind of get involved? Was it just, I, I, and I'm just curious about this because how everybody kind of ends up where they are in the industry I right. always find kind of interesting so I mean was did you just answer an ad or something or, or how did you decide that this is what you wanted to do I actually I, I've worked in the industry in Ann Arbor for the past six years um, you know at different restaurants around town I've always focused on working at um, local businesses um, I've never worked at any sort of large corporation or anything like that it's always been important to me that it's local and a friend of mine she was working at one of our sister businesses um, Grange kitchen and bar uh, and so she was familiar with the family that uh, owns uh, the, the distillery and got me connected with them and okay. I thought it was just such a great opportunity to be involved in this I, I'd been coming here before I even worked here just to get a cocktail and come <laughs> to musical events and things like that our distillery is very I guess uh, obviously locally focused but uh, we're very involved in different community events and so I, I was aware of it through that um, so I thought it was just so exciting that I got asked to work here that's awesome. That's awesome. Great. All right. And, and Alyssa. Um, so I guess I, I came into the spirits industry from a few different backgrounds. The first being that my ancestors were actually moonshiners from Kentucky. Awesome. Um, <laughs> around the Turkey Creek and Daisy area. Okay. And kind of growing up and hearing the stories, misadventures and... <laughs> tragedies that happened there so it's um, like in the blood then i, I, like I guess so yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> in the blood. so my, my grandmother would actually tell me about that she had grown up in the mountains of kentucky as well as my grandfather for that as as a historical aspect that was really it touched close to home and then there's also for me a philosophical side of it where I've spent probably, I don't know, a decade or so researching alchemy. So oh, okay. I would read a lot of the old alchemists. Um, fun fact, I guess, a woman was actually one of the first inventors of a still. Oh, um, I did not know that. It was the Alembic still. Her name, it's 
disputed, but it research We'll take it shows. for fact. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it, behind anything good, there's a woman, so it's yeah. done. <laughs> uh, her name was Mary the Prophetess, and um, just really delving into the philosophy of distillation, the alchemists, um, basically like the distillation of the soul. You take a crude product, you throw it to the fire and distill it, and then you get a pure product in the end, as some people believe is a physical philosopher's stone. Other people believe what you get is enlightenment. Um, I like that. Right. And yeah. you can definitely put that to spirits for sure. There, yeah. Every little step is so important to the final process. You could not have one without the other. You can't have the perfect without the crude. It's one long, amazing process. And with spirits, I take them very much to heart. I try to put my absolute soul into them and hopefully it can taste it when you drink yeah. it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the absence is what I've tried so far. We're going to yeah. try some other things and that was delicious. So, Thank and you. Thanks for sharing that because that's an amazing approach that I've actually, and I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm like have small exposure. I'm not a man of the world, but I've never heard anyone kind of coming at it from that way before. But that actually, I think is, I, I love stuff that are, are, that is like that. And, and, and is so much more about like life and like your approach to life even. And, and like you said, some of the philosophical stuff behind it. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> That's awesome. So That's great. <laughs> yeah. So what we're here to talk about uh, today is abstinence. Am I saying that right, too, by the way? Absinthe. Absinthe. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so I'm not saying it right. <laughs> it was close. <laughs> well, but that's important, though, yeah. because I think a lot of people, well, I don't know about a lot of people, I mispronounce a lot of stuff, and so it's important to know that. So absinthe. Absinthe. Mm -hmm. Absinthe. Yeah. Like, and ours specifically is absinthe violet. Uh, the color is actually different than a classic absinthe that you may be familiar with. Yeah, I'm looking at that. And why is that, and how does that work? That color was originally from... It's from blueberries, so we color it all, all right. natural. It starts off quite purple, and because it is colored fully naturally, that color changes over time. It starts off very dark, uh, um, like I said, a dark purple, and ends up a very light burgundy. Okay, which is kind of what we have right now, is that, mm -hmm, that very exactly. light burgundy mm -hmm. look. Okay, awesome. And that actually, I'm going to sip it again here, but that explains some of the flavor that I'm getting. Uh, you can kind of taste the blueberry in there a little bit, right? Yes? Right, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I'm not just making it up. <laughs> You're not making no. it up. And funny enough, when when you put the blueberries into the absinthe and you pull them out after a while of letting them steep in there, the blueberries are almost entirely dissolved. Really? So you definitely taste blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Great. So let's start off with then what is, now that I know how to say absinthe. 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 Am I you saying got it? it right? Yep. Okay. All right. Um, uh, what is it, or how would you kind of define it? I mean, what 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 makes absinthe absinthe? That's a loaded question. It is. But it's, it's also a simple question. I should say, what makes absinthe absinthe is the flavors that it's in it. So definitely the wormwood, uh, which is the big baddie in it. The reason why it was banned in the U.S. for uh, a while up until I think only 10 years ago. Very oh, recent. Really? Okay, <laughs> yeah. I did not mm -hmm. know this. Uh, wormwood is a very, 
very slight hallucinogenic. Uh, it has a thujone chemical in it that is a hallucinogenic. But it's it's so slight that as long as you stay within a certain amount of wormwood, you're fine. And the government strictly regulates it. We have to send off a sample to make sure that there's no thujone that's coming through in the distillation. So the wavy lines I'm seeing right now, that's not it. <laughs> that is not it. Uh -oh. that's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting though. And so, so absinthe itself was illegal or the wormwood was, so it was made without it up until 10 years ago or? Right, but in order to really be absent, you kind of need that wormwood. Okay, so, you so can absent make a, prior to that may have existed, but it wasn't. Yeah, it didn't have the wormwood, the, the wormwood bitterness in it. It'd probably just have the anise and the fennel, which is what you taste that tastes like black licorice. Mm -hmm. um, that's a major part of absinthe as well. There's other herbs that you could probably mix with that to mimic wormwood, such as um, mugwort, which is a sister to wormwood, but doesn't have that hallucinogenic property that's in there. But wormwood itself started a really long time ago. Sorry, historians, I don't have a date. Um, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It actually started as medicine, like a lot of spirits do. Mm -hmm. um, you can gather from the fact that the main ingredient is wormwood. It's actually was highly used to prevent parasites. It's also good for digestion. So after you're done eating, you might have a little glass of absinthe because the fennel and the anise and the wormwood all together act as a bitter to aid in your digestion. But also the Europeans would trade it um, to people in the Middle East who had camels and they needed the camels to be dewormed. So they would actually trade for absinthe to give to their camels. Nice. Um, There's some happy camels. In order to yeah. deworm <laughs> the camels, yeah. Um, so, so. so it's going to cure worms too then? Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. Maybe, I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. <laughs> Fry it and find out. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but if you have Great worms, timeline. also see a doctor, probably. Yeah, yeah also see a doctor. This is not <laughs> This is not the cure. I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah. uh, a little tangent there. We're going to pretend that never happened. Go ahead. <laughs> but absinthe does have a bad reputation. Uh, that stems from, at a certain point in history, brandy was very expensive and wine was very expensive. And people would start making absinthe because, because of those strong flavors, those strong spices, the fennel, the wormwood, and the anise, and whatever else you wanted to throw in there, really. Because of that, you couldn't taste how bad the base alcohol was. So you could make <laughs> some like nasty hooch and put a ton <laughs> of wormwood fennel and anise in there nobody could tell and you could charge way less than any other product on the market so because of that people were getting sick ah yes a lot of the issues that were coming about with absinthe that is attributed to absinthe actually really just follow the side effects of alcoholism yeah. 
Um, or bad alcohol, right? I mean, if you, especially bad alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Because there's have, alcohol that you drink, and then there's alcohol that kills you, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, I guess all of it will in enough quantity. But enough still, quantities, right. but a dirty distillation will yeah. definitely make you sick. It can even kill you, as what had happened in Costa Rica, I believe it was. Oh, um, yeah. Nineteen people died from a bad batch. Yeah. Oh, I'd heard about that. Is that what they they? Traced it back to then? Uh, I heard it was methanol poisoning, which comes from the heads. So some distiller didn't cut the heads off of a Interesting. run. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd heard it in the news, and I never heard the actual resolution was that. So. I think that there was some other talk, too, but that, I feel like that's actually what happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or something close to. Uh, and yeah. either way, it, it's a very realistic possibility. Definitely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So absinthe is... is Absinthe. Well, ab- absinthe. I'm sorry. Thank you. No, please keep correcting me on that because sure, I need sure. that. Absinthe. So it got a bad rap because you're saying it, it, people were making poor quality alcohol, poor quality other things. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what they were ending up with. Exactly. And there's, you know, those famous horror stories of Vincent Van Gogh cutting his ear off while drunk on absinthe. There was that family in France where the husband went crazy and killed his whole family. Um, and it's, it was those kinds of stories that had it banned in a few areas and including the U S and I did not realize that's, is that part of the cutting off of the year had to do with that? I think they said that he was drinking absinthe when he did that. Yeah, he was, he was wasted and very (laughs) emotional. Let's say it simply. He was wasted. (laughs) Depressed and wasted. I've done some stupid stuff. Depressed and wasted. But I do have both my ears still. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's good. Right. It's important. (laughs) Especially in your field. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would say that um, France um, is kind of really important in absinthe history. Um, A lot of the um, impressionist artists, they were drinking a lot of absinthe back in the day while they were making a lot of their particular pieces that are very famous. Um, We mentioned Van Gogh. um, So obviously it has a big connection to the art scene. And, you know, a lot of that was happening in France. I can Um, see that. And actually, now that I know a little bit more about the wormwood, if they're mixing the wormwood a little strong and drinking that absinthe, some of those paintings kind of make a little right? more sense. Yeah, exactly. That's definitely for sure. It's um, it that was very unique in that time. So yeah, that was my little bit about that. <laughs> no, and that's fine. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, uh, anything else you want to keep sharing? I mean, keep going. I don't want to cut you off by any means, but no, I guess I guess that's that covers the gist of absinthe. I I encourage whoever is listening to read into it. Um, absinthe has a really lovely history um i will actually i do want to touch on the green fairy Um, oh okay so there's that that myth that when you drink absinthe because of the hallucinogenic fujone you'll see a green fairy but Uh actually the myth of the green fairy comes from when you add cold water to the absinthe it the it's called a louche it actually turns into a cloud and it looked like a conjurer's yeah you're about to do it um somebody conjuring it's better when there's more in it to be colder yeah Um, okay i'll get you a sample and show you yeah that would be fun so so but carry on so what you're saying so you get the you have the absinthe you have the absinthe okay (laughs) i did say it right um and then you pour the really cold water in and a little green cloud thing appears so the absinthe itself would already be green but when you drip 
the cold water into it, it is like a strange little swirly cloud that appears, and then all of a sudden, all of the absinthe turns a lighter color. Interesting. Yep. So ours, when you do that, it turns more of like a lavender color. And that's from the clear. essential oils and mm-hmm. in the absinthe. So up there, actually, um, you can see that's our absinthe pour. So there are traditional glasses underneath it, and there's little spouts. So you put ice-cold water in that top container, and then you're supposed to slowly, slowly pour a little bit of um, ice-cold water on top of the the absinthe glass or into the absinthe, and then that louche effect will start to show. Okay, and that's really cool. We'll put a picture of that. I didn't get a picture of that. Sure. And, and so that's how you would actually serve it here to like Correct. actually give that up. So yeah. you guys are trying to make people think they're seeing stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have our hashtag purple fairy instead of our green fairy. <laughs> oh, I like that. I yeah. totally like that. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's again, and it's purple because of the blueberries and everything else. That Correct. Correct. We were um, looking to make more of a Michigan-focused absinthe, and so the blueberries, um, we thought that was like a natural idea for what we could have as a Michigan absinthe. Like what is a um, very classic Michigan fruit? You find blueberries all over the state. Uh, and we obviously thought that purple would be a great color for the absinthe. So that's kind of where all that came from. Yeah, that's nice. And I like that additional flavor in there. And I think that's what's kind of cool about how we can kind of blend right. blend all the flavors and get it in there. Right, so. exactly. Um, awesome. And on that note about um, the louche effect, um, yes. that's primarily how you would drink absinthe. Um, sometimes absinthe will show up in various cocktails, but just a classic absinthe pour, the, the drinker will decide on the ratio of cold water to absinthe that they'd like. And so some people do, you know, like a one to five ratio or various other ratios to, um, if they love the flavor of the anise or um, anything else in the absinthe, they'll um, have less water. Um, so some people will drink it very watered down and some people won't. Um, yeah, because so well, the water pour. will kind of bring out slightly different flavors exactly. water this down bring yeah. that out to the amount of syrup. and yeah. that so that's actually fascinating so that's how it's traditionally drunk partaken of drinking <laughs> was yes. whatever the yes. right word is. Yes. if i were to have absinthe i mean yes it, i traditionally absinthe. i absinthe thank you <laughs> i'm just uh, catching you <laughs> no no please keep catching me yeah. because i'm horrible I, I, that's how I, I think pronounced it my entire life because i did not know mm-hmm. and so now that i've corrected I, I will need that absinthe yeah absinthe so i've seen absinthe mostly in cocktails and things like that yeah. but you're saying traditionally or i guess more normally it would be the absinthe itself yep and and then cold ice cold water ice and cold you just water. put it in there and yep. mix it to flavor yes exactly um so there i would say are definitely absinthe connoisseurs out there i mean it's a spirit that there is a huge fan following so those people will traditionally want to have it just by itself mm-hmm. oftentimes people will serve it with a, a little sugar cube um so there's absinthe spoons that's a oh. special spoon you can purchase or you'll find at a bar and it will sit on top of the absinthe glass and um, an ice or a sugar cube will go on top of that and then the ice cold water will drip onto the ice or sugar cube and then fall into the drink. Um, So that's the traditional way to do it but kind of off of what um, Alyssa was saying back in the day when they were making absinthe that was kind of covered by all the different um, (laughs) herbs that are in it a lot of absinthe wasn't very good and so that's where that sugar idea came from the sugar was supposed to be added to make it taste better (laughs) make Um, it tolerable yeah so in the tasting room here we will do absinthe pours with a sugar cube but often we suggest trying it without the sugar cube because we think that our absinthe is good enough on its own we don't think it needs the extra sweetness um, but some people do prefer that so yeah and and i've had it and i'm fine 
fine without the sugar yeah. cube. So yeah, that's, same. that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's actually the anise in there and the fennel really kind of mimic a sweetness that you don't really need the sugar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for. But as you mentioned, yep. if your alcohol is pretty poor, that helps. <laughs> I was saying traditionally that's where the sugar cube came it. from because a lot of absinthe wasn't very good. And so Make they added tolerable. the sugar cube. Yep. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-mm. And so absinthe. Absinthe. Okay, Mm -hmm. because I've already mispronounced it a couple other times, but (laughs) we're getting there. I'm going to keep saying it, and we'll get there. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it seems it's it's very similar to, like, a gin, only instead of, like, your juniper and that kind of stuff, it's your wormwood, your fennel, and your anise? Yep, and anise, anise. Anise. Either way you want to say it. Okay. There's no right way to say it. <laughs> potato, potato kind of a thing? Yeah, Okay. Exactly. Well, if there is a right way, again, don't hesitate to correct me because right. I will say it wrong. Um, English is my first language and I use it poorly. <laughs> so, it's fine. <laughs> okay, good. All right. So, um, okay, so that's what it is. And actually, that's very fascinating on how it's more traditionally enjoyed i'd always was mentioning i always thought it was more in cocktails and things like that so right. there there are quite a few good cocktails um the sazerac is the a traditional sazerac cocktail and, um so what actually, is the sazerac if you uh actually if you wouldn't mind i would like to bring in my assistant ian who's mm-hmm. a kind of cocktail specialist oh yes <laughs> so. let's let's get ian in here let's right, talk we'll uh, cocktails with absinthe yep Hello, Ian. You guys can share share a mic here. Um, so we were just talking, Ian, about um, traditional cocktails that are made with absinthe, uh, yeah. and we specifically highlighted the Sazerac. If you want to tell us what's in a Sazerac. Well, that's the exact cocktail I had in mind. <laughs> um, a classic Sazerac is a sugar cube muddled with bitters, uh, and then you stir it with rye. And you, but, but before you put it in the glass, you spritz the glass with absinthe, or you do an absinthe rinse. Preferably, you'd use like a little spritzer because it'll coat it completely. Um, it's very simple, but they're very yummy. Yeah, Sazerac's are great. They're very strong. <laughs> they're very strong. Yeah. <laughs> but that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and actually, what you were just mentioning there, now that you say that, that's now I, I'm thinking a lot of times when I've heard absinthe, used I, I i'm doing the little eye check to make sure i'm saying it right um because uh, i've just been mispronouncing it it is more of like a you wash almost wash the glass with it um as opposed to like a a major portion of the drink right is that correct or or for drinks like that yes also you can look at the corpse survivor number two which is Uh-oh. very similar <laughs> but a lot more booze but you do the same thing you kind of rinse the glass with it for myself, when I'm making them, I, I do a decent pour, but I like absinthe, so I want that flavor to be in there. Yeah. So it's almost like a, if you want it like a little bit of a spice kind of a thing, a little hint of the flavor, yeah. then you kind of coat the glass. If you actually want it as part of your cocktail and you really like that flavor, you want it more of an ingredient, then you pour a little thicker. Yeah, if you want to. The flavor is pretty strong already, so just the spritz, you can taste it for sure. But I'm a big fan of it, so I always put at least like a quarter ounce. Okay, nice. In my actual cocktail. Yep. Yeah. Other good, other good cocktails. Uh, people want to know. They've got. They now they're going to come here and they're going to get their bottle of absinthe and they're going to want to mix. Well, first of all, they want to drink it straight with the cold water because I've yes. learned that ice cold water. <laughs> ice cold water. <laughs> yes. uh, but they, if they want to mix cocktails, what other ones you guys would recommend? 
I um, like absinthe sours. It's kind of like a whiskey sour, but with absinthe. And you okay. do, for that you use, if you're doing it traditionally, which the better way to do it is you use a full egg white, simple syrup, lemon juice, shake that, then you add ice, then the absinthe, and shake okay. it again. And throw a couple drops of bitters on top, and that's a really fun one. You could always just put it in a glass of champagne, a classic death in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Is that what that's called? Death that, in the yeah. afternoon? Yeah. That's a good okay, one. they have the best names for these cocktails. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Death in the afternoon, champagne and absinthe. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really okay. like that. That's mm-hmm. really yummy. If you want it to be a little fancier, you could throw a sugar cube in there too, make it bubble up a bit more. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's some good, excellent cocktail ideas. Um, it, do you have anything I, while, while we got you here? It sounds like absinthe is a drink you thoroughly enjoy. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what do you want to share with the world here as far as absinthe related, anything and everything? And I know I'm just throwing you to the fire here because uh, we said, come in, hey, sit in front of a microphone and talk. But I know, how would you share it to somebody else who may not know as much about it? I would first want to make sure that an anise, like black licorice flavor is something they like. If they don't like that, they are not going to like absinthe. Um, I've tried to get my roommates to like it in multiple different ways. <laughs> and always in the end, they don't like that anise flavor. So they're not into it. But I would say, you know, just like having it with a, a full glass of water and absinthe is a great way to kind of start getting into it because you've watered it down, you've opened it up, and you can kind of taste the other flavors in there, not just like the wormwood, fennel, and star anise in there. Otherwise, you know, just you can have fun with it. You can do a lot with it. I like to put a little bit in, like just a basic martini, um, just to have some gin in there and a little bit of like a lemon peel to brighten it up a bit. Oh, I can see that. Um, if you're a whiskey drinker, Sazerac is a great place to start with trying it. Um, I find that absinthe and like a rye play really, really well together. You get that kind of spice from the rye and the, at least the one we make is very, very floral. So you get all those kind of nice uh, licorice floral flavors with the spice of that rye. Um, like and the that. bitters and the sugar cube help open up the flavors a lot more. Okay. Outstanding. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming in here and joining yeah. us. Yeah. Thanks. Anything else you guys want to kind of share? Uh, we will do absinthe releases a few times a year. Um, so our next absinthe release will likely be maybe next spring, I'd say. Yeah, probably about next spring. Yep. Um, so we always do fun events when we have the absinthe release. Um, we we have a lot of fun with it. We bring out our um, traditional absinthe uh, pour, and uh, our bartenders make a lot of great cocktails. So if you guys are ever close by and hear about it, Come on by. <laughs> and so is it like a release and then when it's sold out, it's it's done to the next release? Yes, right. we do really small batches of it. <clears throat> so get here early. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Noted. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, okay. Well, so uh, actually let's uh, we'll ra- kind of wrap up a little bit. How can they get more information on uh, Ann Arbor Distilling? Where can they find you? Um, so our website uh, is annarbordistilling.com. Uh, we also have an Instagram. Uh, the handle is A2Distilling, uh, Facebook. Um, just 
Google search us. You'll find a lot of different <laughs> venues you can go down. Um, you give us a phone call. We do tours and tastings here um, all the time. And we love to have people here to educate them on our spirits. Yeah. And it's a really cool building. It's really fun. I'd recommend coming checking out just, just to see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. Thank you. Um, and do you guys do any shipping or anything if people ordered online? Um, right now, uh, not so much. Okay. Um, we are... Um, we have a third-party distributor um, that we can actually sell to um, the state of California, the state of New York, um, but you have to uh, send it to a certain retailer. We can't send it to your house. That's technically illegal. <laughs> um, but if there, if you are in either of those states, we can get it to you that way. Um, but just when you're in Michigan, definitely come come visit us. We're um, all over the state in retailers um, and restaurants too. So. And they're gonna need to buy multiple bottles to take back with them, so yeah. they can make it last till yeah. next time they come. Exactly. I like mm -hmm. that. Okay. Yep. Well, the unsophisticated palate can be found at theunsophisticatedpalate.com. Uh, and until next time, uh, drink responsibly, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. That is good. Mm -hmm.